Have you subscribed to the Comfort and Joy podcast from the Church of England? Comfort and Joy features weekly reflections throughout Advent and beginning on Christmas Day, each episode explores a familiar carol, encouraging us to look with fresh eyes at how the timeless truth of Christmas might shape our lives in these extraordinary times. Listen to the Comfort and Joy podcast this Advent and Christmas, wherever you get your podcasts.
In the name of God, who has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and made a place for us in the kingdom of his beloved son. We welcome you. Grace to you and peace. As we meet to celebrate anew the coming of God's kingdom, we hear revealed the mystery of God's loving purpose for us. How that when we were far off, he met us in his son and brought us home. How he humbled himself to take our human nature, that we might share his divine glory. Let us then so celebrate this coming with our carols and hymns of praise, that our lives may be charged with his life, that we may bear witness to his glory, and so bring light to those who sit in darkness. So first we pray for those among whom the Christ was born, the poor and helpless, the aged and young children, the cold, the hungry and the homeless, the victims of poverty, injustice and oppression, the sick and those who mourn, the lonely and the unloved, those in despair or in the shadow of death. Then, as we hear again the message of peace on earth and goodwill among all his people, we pray for the leaders of the nations, that all may be inspired to work together for the establishment of justice, freedom and peace the world over. And that we may bear true witness to this hope in a divided world, we pray for the peace and unity of Christ's body, the Church Universal, that the whole earth may live to praise his name. Finally, as we rejoice with the saints in heaven and on earth, we remember all who have gone before us with a sign of faith, whose hope was in the word made flesh, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we offer up our prayers for the coming of his kingdom, in the words that he himself has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. May the Lord, when he comes, find us watching and waiting, now and at all times. Amen.
The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. In many nations of the world today, the need for justice could not be louder. We see it in the news when we step out of our doors and sometimes in our homes. We look and hope for someone who can step in and act. In response to the need for just leadership, the Lord speaks reassuringly to Israel and says, I will raise up for David a righteous branch. We need to remember that the Lord whose throne is built on the foundation of righteousness and justice is significantly invested in just service and leadership. For all our efforts to seek a just society, we will do well to recognize that it is the Lord who is still at work in the affairs of people. The Lord still raises up people and movements that serve God's purpose for a particular day and particular time. Whilst we work and toil, we also need to look out in hope for the work of God in raising those people and those movements for justice in our day and time. How is it, then, that God was also prompted to respond in reference to an individual? When we consider that it is David, that great warrior and king of Israel, we may be tempted to think, and why not? He was, after all, referred to as a man after God's own heart. Yet we forget who he was and where he was when he was chosen as king. David was a shepherd out in the fields tending his father's flock, a very ordinary task by a very ordinary person. Yet it is this David who moved the heart of God in his lifetime that God says now, I will raise up for David a righteous branch. God rises and responds this way, partly in recognition of who David was. One ordinary person can make a difference in the destiny of a people. We should therefore not discount our contribution now. When we faithfully serve the Lord in righteousness and justice in our day and time, it could very well be honored in the days to come by God raising up someone on the foundation of the work we are doing now. Ordinary people in the hands of an extraordinary God can change the world.
Hello, my name is Mariana Leite. I am the Women's Rights Strategic Advisor at Christian Aid, and this is a reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his authority shall grow continually. And there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time onwards and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Thanks be to God. Luke chapter 2 verses 8 to 20 In that region there were shepherds living in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified But the angel said to them Do not be afraid for see I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly 
there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favours. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thanks be to God. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising. But what did they return to? How were their lives and their outlook changed? Did they look at the night sky differently? Or have a permanent warm glow of joy in their hearts as they too pondered the things of heaven and earth that they had encountered? The wonder and majesty of having seen the Messiah, the child in a manger. But also really practically, what did they return to? Were the sheep still there? Had they been ravaged by wolves or stolen by rustlers? These sheep had been the shepherd's primary focus up until the angel of the Lord stood before them. Sheep that were so important that the shepherds lost sleep keeping watch over them at night. Sheep that were so valued by the shepherds that they lived in the fields with them. But sheep that all of a sudden they chose to abandon with haste to go and find the child in a manger? So great the news, so great the surprise, so great the announcement that they could only respond by going to see. It's unlikely then that any of them would have been persuaded to stay behind to look after the sheep. But weren't they, after all, going to see the one who leads by still waters and restores souls? The one who comforts with rod and staff? The one who would tell parables of lost sheep being found by persistent shepherds? The one who would say, my sheep know my voice? The one who would call Peter to build his church by telling him to feed my sheep? The one who was a child lying in an animal, even sheep feeding trough, lying in a manger. Did these devoted shepherds abandon their sheep? Or were they good shepherds, taking their sheep along with them for the journey and the encounter? After all, the one they went to see was the good shepherd for all people 
Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's quite a lot in the readings we've heard about righteousness. The promised King will govern in righteousness. The name of the long-awaited Saviour will be, The Lord is our righteousness. But it's not these days a word we use very much, except in a rather negative sense. Righteousness suggests self-righteousness a condescending and judgmental attitude. Even when we talk about righteous anger, for example, there's a slightly uncomfortable feel to it. 
It seems to be about laying hold of the moral high ground. It feels a bit weaponized, as we say these days. But when the Jewish prophets talked about righteousness and justice, the word they used in Hebrew was a word with a very different sound to it. It would have brought in associations with truthfulness, appropriateness, a right and fitting relationship with reality. Being righteous was being connected with God and God's world in a way that truly fitted with what God was and what the world was. That's surely why Jesus in St. Matthew's Gospel says that those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness are blessed. Human beings long to be properly related with the world they're in. No one wants to be permanently out of sync with reality. And the deeper that passionate hunger for true and faithful relationship, the more our lives are open to God, the more we are blessed, fortunate, at home with things and with ourselves, even if that hunger for righteousness drives us to suffer and take risks. It's nothing to do with any kind of stampede to the moral high ground. For us to be righteous, in the sense in which the Bible uses it, is for us to be grasped by the truth, for us to fall in love with reality, God's reality and the world's, and to ask how we might learn to be more truthful, more real, more in touch with what is actually in front of our noses. And that may help us see what that odd title, The Lord is Our Righteousness, might mean. The life of Jesus is a life completely shaped by the truth. He is gazing without interruption at the mystery of the love from which he comes, the love of the God he calls Father, and so he sees the reflection of that mystery wherever he looks around him on earth. He sees the need, the guilt, the pain of human beings. And behind and within it, he sees the beauty and dignity of human beings so that the pain and guilt appear for what they are, a terrible stain on the glory of women and men created to reveal the divine image. If we are living in the neighborhood of Jesus, living in his spirit, living as members of his body, the community of his followers, we are gradually opening up to seeing what he sees. We are learning to be truthful and to live in a way that, as we say, does justice to the truth of who God is and what God has done. His relation to reality becomes ours. He is our righteousness the ground of a fitting and true relation to what is real. When I think about the work of Christian aid, I think of the effort to be truthful, to see clearly what the realities of human suffering and risk are, to see clearly what kinds of action will best address and heal pain and privation, to see the dignity and beauty of women and men as they are in God's eyes. It's one reason why when we campaign on the big global issues, we look to find the particular human stories that will bring them alive. And we want people to see not poor helpless victims, but men, women and children whose dignity as God's image is so real and solid that we become hungry and thirsty to see that dignity made more visible, 
released to be more fully itself. It's no use trying to do this without the unique one-off stories of flesh and blood persons whose lives are being changed. Looking forward to Christmas is looking forward to another chance to refresh that transforming vision of God's truth. The very nature of God is to share the joy and beauty that is God's eternally. Yet our own selfishness and ignorance means we regularly go about not noticing what God has given to the world we live in. The gift of Jesus' life restores our ability to see clearly and to act generously, to be righteous, to do justice to what's really there in front of our noses. Like the shepherds in Bethlehem, we have seen the night sky lit up with splendour and radiance, and with them we set out to see what it is that God has done and what it is that God is doing in our midst.
In joyful expectation of his coming to our aid, we pray to Jesus. Come to your church as Lord and Judge. We pray for all those who have fallen ill with coronavirus, for the friends and families of those who mourn. We pray for all those who have lost their livelihoods and who are anxious about the future. Help us to live in the light of your coming and give us a longing for your kingdom. Maranatha, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come to your world as King of the nations. We pray for all God's children who are living in places of conflict around the world, in places suffering the effects of climate change, floods, droughts, storms and humanitarian disasters. We pray wisdom for the world's leaders before your rulers will stand in silence. Maranatha. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come to the suffering as saviour and comforter. We pray for all those who are in despair, who cannot see a way through the darkness. Break into our lives, where we struggle with sickness and distress, and set us free to serve you forever. Maranatha. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come to us as shepherd and guardian of our souls. We remember all those who have suffered this year, those who have lost their lives. Give us with all the faithful departed a share in your victory over evil and death. Maranatha. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come from heaven, Lord Jesus, with power and great glory. Lift us up to meet you, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary and all your saints and angels, we may live and reign with you in your new creation. Maranatha. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. God, our Redeemer, who prepared the Blessed Virgin Mary to be the mother of your Son, grant that as she looked for his coming as our Saviour, so we may be ready to greet him when he comes again as our Judge who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the Father, who has loved the Eternal Son from before the foundation of the world, shed that love upon us, his children. Amen. May Christ, who by his incarnation gathered into one things earthly and heavenly, Fill us with joy and peace. Amen. May the Holy Spirit, by whose overshadowing Mary became the God-bearer, give us grace to carry the good news of Christ. Amen. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon us and remain with us always. Amen. <laughs>